0: hello and welcome to shakespeare the roundtable discussion podcast where we talk about shakespeare my name is chase you're mostly quiet producer today we continue our discussion of titus andronicus as a reminder from last week this show does feature sexual violence as a key plot element and while there is no depictions or descriptions within this episode or the show itself it is worth giving a heads up to those that may find the discussion of that subject matter troubling and now on with the show
1: conquering countries is that they always take back a piece of the conquered country well they
2: didn't conquer any necessarily any Celtic countries I mean Scotland wasn't so much a conquering as we they just kind of moved in
1: that's why we have them redheads (laughs) Mm -hmm. it is
2: it is that's why the Irish have red hair because of the Scandinavian conquerors all right a big half of like half of my dad's side of the family is you know Danish by way of Ireland, or, well or Irish by way of Denmark. Well, you know I don't know how you would say it, but Danish invaders of Ireland. That's where we're the, back to Denmark again. The Irish, the Irish side of my and family comes from
1: couches of
2: yes, luxury and incest, incest. murder,
1: murder most foul, murder. Mur- Is he saying murder or murther?
2: Incest. Mur- uh, Mur- a couch. Martha. Mar- Mar-
1: Mar- Mar- Martha. Martha. How did she get back here?
2: I don't know. But no, there's a huge difference between. Um,
1: but I just thought that was funny that even Celtic like, Celtic art somewhere in, in the world, Ryan's Wagner. eye just twitched. Like you're right, it did. Um, I didn't even know why. Didn't even know why. He assumed it was because somebody put on Wagner and put horns on a Viking's head. God, fucking Wagner. I fucking hate him.
2: Like, Rite of the Valkyries is a very good piece of music. But.
1: Elmer Fudd in the, the Wagner Looney Tunes piece does not have horns. Yes, he does. Uh-huh. I thought yes. he did not. He no, he does. Overtly. He absolutely he does. does. I thought
2: it was just the fat lady who had it. Nope, he didn't have it. Nope. The killed because the weapon. It, it had become it had become yeah. it becomes so ingrained mm-hmm. culturally that everyone believed that you know. And the funny thing is, is that it was originally from a a painter who wanted to make them the Vikings look more impressive and had seen like. A weird piece of art that had some kind of ceremonial, like, horned headdress or something on some sort of Scandinavian chieftain, pre-Viking. But decided that meant that Vikings had horned helmets and so painted them that way, and that's where Wagner got the idea.
1: Well, often Celts had horns on their helmets.
2: Well, they had ceremonial helmets that often had antlers attached to them because of uh, Carnunos. and the this is, horned god.
3: And this is all very sad to me, because there is a picture book that I really want to get for your daughter. Um, it's called Edda, A Little Valkyrie's First Day of School.
1: Mm-hmm. I think... I
3: thought I bought it for her. No, we don't have that one. Um, I remember that. And it's super cute and adorable, but in all the pictures... Horned helmets. Well, it's not horns exactly. It's like...
2: Oh, winged, oh, winged helmets. Oh, yeah.
3: So it's a little different.
1: Maybe I had it in my hand and put. It you may
2: have thought about
1: it. Well, I remember being at Powell's Books, walking around, and I kept coming up with like, "Oh my gosh, Ryan needs this book. Oh my gosh, Ryan needs that book." And Chris is like, "We are not paying to ship books back for half ill."
2: Why not, Christopher? <laughs> God Ta- damn it, Chris! If you
1: still want him when we get back, we'll buy him from Amazon. Okay. Buy him from Amazon because there was one. I think I even sent you the picture of it of uh like Thor's new you know new dress or something like that. And it was. Oh, it was about
2: the 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 wedding where Thor dressed up as Freya to go yeah, to marry the giant. But it was a,
1: it was an emperor's new clothes style story yeah. about it. And the picture on the cover is him in, like, pink boxer shorts with little hearts all over it. And he, I think he had a horn helmet on. And I had, like, this is this is the most inciting picture of... Active horn. violence against
2: one Ryan Hattel. This oh is God. the worst thing I could send to Ryan, so I'm going So to that
1: might have actually been the reason he's like, we can't buy that. I'm not shipping... I will
2: not <laughs> ship Armageddon.
1: You can't... we're not crossing the country just so you can pick a fight with Ryan in two weeks
2: I will not let you ship a book that will cause Ragnarok on my doorstep
1: which is silly because Ragnarok was gonna happen anyway I mean it's inevitable it is inevitable if you whisper to everything in the entire world to never hurt a certain person but skip mistletoe then yeah, Ragnarok's gonna happen.
2: Well, and they would have been fine. Who was it? All all Who they had shot to with the mistletoe. Was it was Balder? Balder. Balder the beautiful, Balder the blessed, by his blind brother Hode.
1: Didn't know what he was doing,
2: because Hode assumed one he was likely to miss him anyway because he was blind, but Loki helped him aim.
1: There was a. There's a Greek mythology book and a Norse mythology book. Dolores. There. Yeah, that I had growing up. I bought the Greek one for Michael, and I'm going to pick up the Norse one eventually. We
2: have the Norse one. I, it was one of the first things that I bought for Izzy.
1: But that's where I first read all the stories. If you ever get the chance, Neil Gaiman's <sighs> Norse mythology is It is yeah. sitting in the
0: room next to us.
1: The audiobook that he narrates himself. Oh, yeah. oh, First of all, I could listen to that man, well, read forever, which is good because he's got a commercial for MacBook
2: out right now. Oh, yeah, I'll uh But no, the yeah, still there's Book of Greek mix- myths and Book of Norse myths, and the the art is all colored pencil drawings.
1: Why didn't they do any more? I want there to be an Egyptian myth book. I oh cannot, no, that'd be fantastic. I, but I yeah, they play only did Egyptian myth book.
2: They only did Greek and Norse. Um, I've only ever seen those two books: Dolores' Book of Greek myths and Dolores' Book of Norse myths. Did
1: you have those growing up too? Oh yeah, you. Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: I didn't have them growing up. There were books that I repeatedly checked out of the library in my elementary school, though.
1: Neglect on the Greenlee side over here. Yeah, no kidding. We had well, my mom was an elementary school teacher for a good portion of my life. Not while I was in elementary school. She taught junior high and high school until we got into junior high and high school, and then went back. And like, no, I can't. I can't have teenagers in my house and work with teenagers. I'll go teach the little kids now.
0: Mm-hmm
2: but no uh no those books are amazing and i love them
1: all right so
2: i still i still go back and like izzy still wants me to read from it every once in a while where were we well i think we're going to talk about episode 48 of the shakespeare podcast let's
1: do that that one's all about titus right
2: it is part two of our discussion of titus andronicus
1: all right so where should we start
2: well we should probably introduce
1: ourselves Okay, I'm Beth Roars. I'm Ryan Halfill.
3: I'm Cassie Greenley. And I'm Chase Greenley. And this
2: is Shakespeare, and we're talking about Titus Andronicus, the bloodiest... It is the bloodiest. The bloodiest play Shakespeare ever wrote. Mm
1: -hmm. Thank God, because if it got more bloody than that, I would probably be out.
2: Argued by many to be his first play. Argued by some to at least vaguely be in the first two or three he wrote.
1: So we've had a couple of plays that were like, this is argued to be the first play, which is why they're argued.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, there's no... Yeah. no we don't know so, exactly. Not we need we... Shakespeare Time Machine to go back and Shakespeare find out. Time
3: Machine. Um, I remember learning about Shakespeare in high school English. My sophomore and senior English teacher were the same teacher because I went to an incredibly small high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, she fucking loved Shakespeare.
1: I know you're serious because you dropped
3: the F-bomb. Yeah. Um, She absolutely loved Shakespeare, which is great for me.
2: Cassie's kids listened to this and she said the F-word.
3: We've crossed that bridge.
1: Ilya yakta Est, the die is cast.
3: But I remember being in her English class, I think, senior year and talking about I don't know why this sticks with me so so much but we were talking about, you know, theater history and talking about the Romans and the bloodiness of their plays and then she she was like and Shakespeare imitated Seneca when he was writing Titus Andronicus. And for some reason that little factoid well, whether that, true that, or not has could, stuck with my brain it could for be. this.
2: I uh, I think it's more akin to the writing of his contemporaries mm-hmm. like Kit Marlowe. Mhm. Um But that doesn't mean he didn't draw inspiration from Seneca when he wrote it. So He wrote a lot of plays about the Romans. Yeah. Um, And
1: some of them are straight just stolen from a Roman (laughs) place.
3: Borrowed. Borrowed. And and sometimes he
1: self-references about his own (laughs) Roman place. But Roman theater and Greek theater would have been the classics. So in the same way people are stealing from Shakespeare now, mhm he would have stolen from them. Borrowing. He's not giving it back.
2: <laughs> well no, they're
1: dead. They don't have any use for it. <laughs> then it's not borrowing, it's taking. And if you take something from someone without asking, it's called stealing.
2: Good artists create, great artists steal.
1: steal. That's true. So, so just west Wing the movie. Just turn it, and make it your own. It's all good.
2: And at that point, you know Seneca is long dead. Yeah, you
3: can't ask permission from Seneca. It's in the public domain at that point. Exactly. Did you-
2: <laughs> That's how we can use the music we use for this podcast. It's in the public domain.
3: It's also, probably I don't. <laughs> I don't like
1: it when you say things like probably. You know. If we're getting sued His name Look, is it's, Chase Green The podcasts
0: are still in the wild west Vis-a-vis copyright laws
1: If we only use less than so many seconds of it We can't get sued anyway That's
2: absolutely a fact That is actually, yeah, that is actually a, a huge part of copyright law mm-hmm.
1: I know, we looked it up a lot Before we started doing a theater company So that we didn't get sued By people who weren't going to be there To watch what we were doing anyway
2: True Very true
3: but anyway, this is a very bloody play. So the bloodiest, the bloodiest of plays. There are. Th- th- I was. Thir- I was reading something while I was prepping for this today, bloodiest. and they said it averaged out to five point two atrocities per act. <laughs>
1: five point
2: two, and there are five acts.
3: <laughs> exactly. That's how we get the. So we're looking at
2: we're looking at twenty six. Yeah. So they were they
3: were adding up all of the murders, all of the maimings, maimings, all of the raping. There's like there's like
2: thirteen. I want to say thirteen murders.
1: Most of the atrocities happen to Lavinia.
2: Well, Lavinia, I mean, she's raped. She has her tongue cut out. She has her hands cut off. And that all blessedly. And her
1: dad's hand is put into her mouth.
2: Blessedly. All but the last one that you mentioned there happens off stage, yes, um Shakespeare wasn't doing that on stage,
1: well, I can only think of one play that I have seen that simulated rape on stage, and it was just wrecking.
3: Is that the rape ballet that Darren Kerr directed? No, it was Toyer, oh yeah. That was also unsettling.
1: It was very... Well, because it was a raped stage, too, so yeah. everything felt like it was going to fall on you. It was just unsettling mm-hmm. all but the time. But
3: Darren Kerr directed Mother Courage and Her Children mm-hmm. at BJSU. Oh, BDSU. I don't you. Like, I... Don't and uh, he correct. turned the, the rape scene, the gang rape scene, into a ballet yes. set to Ben Folds the Luckiest.
0: <laughs> Which, fun fact, if you want to have a really pretty <laughs> song ruined for you... <laughs> Fucking set a rape ballet to it.
3: Done.
2: I love Darren Kerr. I love Uh, Darren Kerr. No.
3: Okay, so I found this. Come on, we should have him on. We really should. Yeah, we've talked about him enough.
2: Well, I've I've I have been blessed to direct Darren twice and act with him once, and all three of those experiences were fantastic. um, In that regard, I directed him in this, and he played Marcus Andronicus, and. I get chills thinking about him delivering that monologue. I haven't used that monologue myself as as an audition piece.
1: Nothing makes you stick out quite as much as a rapey monologue.
2: Well, it's not a rapey monologue. He's just talking about what happens after he finds someone who's a victim of rape. Yeah.
1: I think it would make you stick out.
2: It's a beautiful monologue. It is really... uh, Touching
1: Marcus's reaction. That's a difficult... This
3: play is... You have something. You go. Well, I just found the the statistic, the quote. Okay. Um, It's from S. Clark Hulse. I don't know who that is, but tallied this up. 14 killings, nine of them on stage, six severed members, one rape, or two or three, depending on how you count, one live burial, one case of insanity, and one of cannibalism. An average of 5.2 atrocities per act, or one for every 97 lines. I like the one for every 97 lines. <laughs> that, that
0: really <laughs> dials it in. I wish I'd have
2: had that. I wish I'd have had that. That would have been the tagline for the fucking show when I directed it.
1: <laughs> one atrocity for every 97 <clears throat> lines. Which makes it a difficult show to put up.
2: Mm-hmm. Nobody does it. Nobody does But
1: there it. is a couple of adaptations out there. What Julie Taymor? Julie Taymor's is my favorite, which you cannot find. It is. Difficult. I
2: have it on VHS. Yeah. It is
1: difficult to find. I went looking for it and ended up having to watch clips of it on YouTube uh, on mute with the subtitles on because my kids were awake.
2: <laughs> That's not the same.
1: It's not. It's not. But I've seen. No, Julie Taymor's
2: adaptation is amazing. Um, Sir well, Anthony Hopkins.
1: Yeah. It- his his like feast scene is hilarious because he slides into the room like chef's hat on white coat hand in a bundle slides into the room to greet his guests like it's a musical number the whole thing is gorgeous in the way that over the top art films were made in that like switch between the 90s and 2000s what i'd say it's 1999 and it's Julie, it's Julie Taymor, and that's how she does. But if you look at, um, Edward II, Edward Third, Edward the Third is one of, another one of my favorite adaptations that was done, not Julie Taymor, but, um, oh my gosh, we always disagree on how you pronounce her name. She's very androgynous. She was in Orlando. She plays the angel in, uh... Oh, Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. So she's in this, and they have the exact same feel. Took me a second, sorry. There's just something about that time period with art films. There's like a, a gloss, but also you could see that it's just done in a black stage set. They have incredible, like, the banners dropping down the way they do a very militaristic World War II Roman. Like, it's definitely World War II feel to it. But these guys are walking around in the Roman head dresses in the, the Hippolyte armor. It's incredible. whole thing's incredible. But seeing. Hoplite armor. Seeing. I, I'm going to find you in the parking lot and hamstring you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's going to happen. If it's a very
0: small parking lot. You will not they're have They're not Hippolytes, they're Hoplites.
1: But And sh- those are Greek,
2: actually, Hoplites.
1: But that is what they are in.
2: No, they're in Centurion remember.
1: okay, so they which would make it what the tortuous either, way. so when Lavinia comes back out when when Marcus finds Lavinia, mm-hmm. she has they have pushed tree branches into into her, her stumps. stumps, yep, and so she has these horrific gnarled hand-esque
2: tree root looking yeah
1: things coming out so that she's still able to gesture with them and move with them and it's so unsettling and so intriguing at the same time and I can't watch any adaptation of Titus, even going back because Lawrence Olivier did one as well of course Uh, he did because good fucking luck finding that one yeah uh I think I watched that one in like some Shakespeare adaptation class but I, you can't watch anything else with Lavinia without thinking about this horrific like because sh- you know that they shoved it in there and that must have been so painful and so there's this physical reaction of knowing how that would have gone and then making the mirror connection then to the rape at the same time it may be the most powerful visualization yep. that I have oh seen. no and
2: that's it's it's ridiculous. And actually... Um, I had... Because the copy I have is actually Mike's copy. And I had it... Uh, at the time. And I had seen it once. Before I directed it. But the, it was fucking... Almost ten years prior. Like, I saw it shortly after it came out. And I directed this in...
1: They came out and like, so, Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet came out, and Titus came out in the same year, because I remember going... It was, like, my, 99, 2000, yeah. Yeah, I remember going my senior year with this one boyfriend, senior year of high school, to go see them both in the arts theater downtown Dayton, and one was beautiful and lovely and maddening, and the other one was horrible, like, horrific and lovely and maddening.
2: So, the it's horrific right. one, obviously, was Branagh's
1: Hamlet. I loved Branagh's Hamlet. I hate Branagh's Hamlet. I know. Hamlet. We've had this conversation. It's this is n-
2: not
3: This is not that podcast. I know. We'll talk about that.
2: We'll talk about They're that. That might
0: have to be a three-parter.
3: But, that might be a
2: four-parter. No. We'll talk about that.
3: But you were talking, Ryan, about how nobody does this play.
2: Nobody. Um,
3: and so I have pulled up my Oregon Shakespeare Festival yeah. spreadsheet. How many times have they done
2: wait, wait, Titus wait. Andronicus? This
3: is not Oregon the Shakespeare's... Over-under
1: actual spreadsheet this is the spreadsheet she made off of their spreadsheet because she likes excel
3: yes um so
2: what's the over under so what are we what are we taking as the over under here on
3: i think it's 10 times since they've no, been i think it's since 1935 19- um, with a 6 year gap during world war 2 yes mm-hmm. um, but in that time period so we're looking at What's that? Like eighty years. years. Yeah. They have performed Titus four times. Ooh. See,
2: I said that I said the top end was seven. Yeah. So
3: the last time I was, was in five. Yeah. The last time I was wanted I to in, say
2: five, but I was like, nah, they'll just they'll have done it six times just to fuck me. So, the the
3: last time was in two thousand and two. It is tied at the bottom with Timon of Athens. Of and course. Henry the Eighth. Of course. So
2: King John has been performed. King John has times. been
3: performed more times. King right. John is less unsettling. Oh, very. I true. mean, not by much. King John's been performed five times.
2: Okay. but it's garbage.
3: Yeah, but well, and they they, of they will <laughs> perform because it's. And they oh. will be doing. Well, it was
2: because people yeah. forget yeah. that Timon Evangel exists. How has
3: uh, Troilus and Cressida been performed? Oh. We talked
2: about that, I think. I'm sure it came up when you know, Troilus, Troilus
3: and Cressida is sitting at five times. Five times, okay. Yeah. Five times. okay. Yeah. So, but also they,
2: because it's hot garbage.
3: They yeah. will be performing Titus in the next 10 years because they are currently committed to. All of them? Going through Shakespeare's oh, canon, go. so in a, in so a series of time, I don't know
0: when it podcasting. will. We, we also may want to watch out for. Uh, when I gotta they, go to Oregon when they perform it up in um, Stratford. Stratford, yeah, because that is a much shorter, shorter trip, <laughs> easier bit. Easier yeah, to but I out.
2: can't crash on Tyler Lemon's couch in fucking Stratford. Yeah,
0: but we also all can't crash on Tyler Lemon's
2: couch. <laughs> I'm not concerned about you, Chase.
1: <laughs> I know you're not, Ryan. Who has $800 to fly across the country? Do oh, you have it?
2: I'll fucking drive.
1: That's going to be way more costly. Yeah, it is. At that point,
0: you're... It takes
1: three days to get across. Yeah. The f- the meals that you will have to take, the hotel rooms, you're going to sleep in your car, I already know you're going to say <laughs> it, or I'm not even going to need to sleep, I'll just drive straight through. No, oh,
2: no, 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 I know better. <laughs> no, no, no. 20 years ago, when I was 18, driving straight through, yeah, okay, I, I'd have done that. I'd have done that, and I'd have done that in a, the piece of shit car that I drove here today, but no... No, but I wouldn't get a hotel.
3: Like I said, you'll
2: see. I'd take a tent.
3: They haven't announced when they're doing Titus, but they're committed to getting through all 37. I have to go to Oregon to watch
2: that show with Tyler.
3: Oh, yeah. No, 100%.
2: I have to go watch that show with Tyler. After seeing
0: their performance of Othello, I want to go and see them do... As one as many bloody shows as I can see because it was real and unsettling and I loved every second of it. Um, and also after seeing how they did Iago, like I want to see them do as many crazy villains as I can. Because... Well, and and if you want to see,
1: this is the craziest. This I is know, the or the least crazy, which makes him the most unsettling.
0: Either way, I was on stage with him. You know, the when we when we did it with Lionface, Face, and uh, I might as well have been on stage with him when uh, out at uh, at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, yeah, because we were front row. We were very,
1: and and, very
2: and Mike Mike really did do an admirable job of being put in a position that is not not appealing, um, not because the character is not amazing, but you know, not. Physically matching the description of the character when it is specific, you know. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. Luckily, more is a term that can be referred to you uh, a large portion of Northern Africa and Southern, you know, or the Iberian Peninsula. So...
1: But it specifically says in the script. I know
2: it does. I know. But... Um when you can't get African-American actors to come out and do your shows,
1: it's true that is this true.
2: this town has always had a struggle mm-hmm. with that. um I have known a couple in my time in this mm-hmm. town and that's it. you know like I probably count most like uh, like a, like a handful, maybe 10 in my time in this town.
1: It is too bad that Nelson was a darling of the main stage at the time. Otherwise, he would have been a great Aaron. I tried.
0: I tried to get him. But I would have loved to have seen Kirby. Cur- like I know Kirby wasn't around at the time, but Kirby Minors um, uh, Aaron the More would have been stunning.
1: No, horrifying. Yeah, I'm
2: oh, sure. I'm sure.
1: So I already i Lee- i
2: did i did actually i did do um i did cross cast Kyron and Demetrius. Yes. I did I did switch it up. They were not brothers. They were brother and sister. Brother and sister in my production. That was actually a choice that I made before auditions. It was not even a like that was not affected by
1: A strange incest going on there. Audition
2: turnout knows it, it was it was purposeful.
3: Um all right so we got post it notes. We do. I'm also just you know I'm looking up Uh, Stratford Shakespeare Company and how often they've they have a Wikipedia page. I don't have a spreadsheet for them, but uh, they've done Titus five times since 1953. Mm -hmm. The last time they did Titus was in 2011. So Titus is
1: something that I think would not have been done a whole bunch from the 70s forward, but... (laughs) Gesundheit. Thank you. I could see it taking a resurgence. Yeah? Just so that they... There's, can, there, there are things there to are talk are about here. There are things
2: and themes that that you can really draw on from this play, and there are a lot of things that you can really get into with this text.
1: So, it, sorry. Gesundheit again. As um, far but as... But, like, the,
2: the modern use of this play, there's a lot of potential for what you can do with this text.
1: There... There are, in, in Restoration Theater, during this this time frame, there are not a ton of authors writing about othered bodies the way Shakespeare writes about othered bodies, the way he writes about Othello, the way he writes about Aaron, the way he brings up the otheredness constantly. Um, and the I mean, character
2: themselves brings it up.
1: The character, that's what I mean, the yeah. character themselves brings it up up. But we do see, like, Thomas Decker's Roaring Girl, where we see some other bodies who are coming forward. So it's not as abnormal as I feel, looking back, I feel like this just isn't a subject that gets talked about for, like, another couple hundred years after this Restoration Theater ends. We don't, like, all of the French comedies, they don't talk about it. What's the point? We don't see it again until we hit, like, 1950s going forward, Mm -hmm. 40s going forward, actually. Do we see them start talking the same way they do about race? Mm Mm-hmm. And I I think that is interesting. Every time we talk about other bodies in Shakespeare, Shakespeare is always doing a very admirable job for his time period. And I wish I had a history time machine so I could go back and see what the hell's going on. That he's able to spend time discussing the other making, body. That
2: he's making what... what and For that time frame is an incredibly pro- progressive effort.
1: I think. I think it is progressive for the time frame. Even the way he depicts women is vastly different than the way other playwrights are depicting women. Sometimes they are absolutely flat and they're terrible. He does Well, I mean, yeah, he, but he doesn't we, win all the time. But, but then, then we get Beatrice. Right. We get... Rosalind, we get uh, Olivia, we get some. Amelia. Amelia. So we get some. And that, I think, is interesting, especially then when we take this piece and we compare it as others, as Harold Bloom was, like the uh, Jew of Malta, where the other body is not self-reflective in the evilness. He's just evil because he is another body. Mm Mm-hmm. So the self-reflective nature of Aaron, which I love. Well, Aaron is a, Aaron
2: is a character before he is othered. He is a he's a person. Well, he's
1: othering himself during, like he's talking about his otherness. Yes. While he's developing that, but Aaron, he also it is it's not
2: all around. he is. No. Is is the difference between? It's the difference between Aaron and Barabbas.
1: Yes. That's but the, he, but that's he the is, difference. I do think. That Shakespeare did win the game of who's the worst between Barabbas.
2: Oh, yeah. Aaron is worse than Barabbas. But Barabbas is also... Part of the problem is, is Barabbas is evil because he is other. Yeah. Aaron is not evil because he is other. He Aaron is evil. He is also other. Other.
1: Well, all right. What post-its notes do we have? Um, Let's do... When does Titus go mad? When does Titus go
3: me? mad? So, so this came up...
2: The start, discussion the, earlier. The, the start of it is Muteus. Muteus? That's, so, the, that's the start of it.
1: But that is an action. It takes with his own hand. It, so, I think this is a directorial choice or an actor choice. This is an artistic choice of when you want him to be mad. Has the war destroyed him? Has the war... Has losing 21 sons... Because they make a point of it. What destroyed How, him was
2: what destroyed him was coming home,
1: leaving. So and and that is something that comes that's, up in many many works it's, it's, of art it's, it's, is m- the leaving that war atmosphere and coming home and being celebrated for the well he's he's he he's, he's
2: he's celebrated, but he's also shit on, and that's that's like that's why I use the direct corollary with Vietnam. Yeah. Because a lot of veterans returned, and it's like, you know, getting called baby killer and and shit And I think that
3: that's a really smart way to do it with Titus, because you do have that transition from war back to civilian life, which is so hard for a lot of returning soldiers to navigate and to handle. And I think you can use this play, if you direct it, to make commentary on that and to show titus so i think we can can kind of have it both ways so he's been following orders all this he's time. Been he's been following orders order. and the the atrocities that he's committed on the battlefield have a place because it's wartime and during war you have to do things that morally you, well, It's. It's it's, do... it's.
2: it's. the uh, the ultimate boiling down of of what chivalry has always meant, yeah. which is being a lion on the battlefield and a lamb at home. And some people have a hard time with the being a lamb at home part, and that's oh yeah, and that's that's Titus in a in a you know uh, you know there at that, and also he's been cut loose by his emperor, told he's not needed anymore. And, you know, he's won these great victories and, and brought these, uh, these captives back. He's told he's no longer necessary, basically, yeah. by Saturnine, um, to try and prove that he is when, when Basianus is going to abscond with Lavinia, his son gets in his way and to try and prove himself worthy to his emperor, who he has served faithfully, he stabs his own son. And that's the moment he
1: cracks. That you just take direction. You take your orders. And you do them. Regardless. And then it cracks. But when,
2: but when, when the order causes him to murder his own fucking son. You know, when what his emperor wants results in him killing his own child. That's, that's the moment where he breaks.
1: And I think it's important then that you show the breaking then before, because the other obvious moment of breakage is the laughter, because that could be if you were not a good. If
2: disorder. somehow he managed to hold it together to that point,
1: the laughter when he Oops, sorry, opens Cassie. the box—that is another distinct. It's a well. Different I think
2: that's. I think that's the visible. I think that's the visible point. Titus tries to carry on after he murders Muteus. He tries. He tries to continue with his life. He tries to continue with his family. And then Aaron's conspiracy with Chiron and Demetrius to murder Bassianus and frame Titus's sons for it.
1: By literally digging a hole for everyone to just fall in. It's the biggest plot hole ever. No. Yeah. I'm about to
2: break
0: yeah. this bottle stab you um, with it. I'm here for you. No. You're here with
1: you. no. High-five, Do yes. not high five yeah. that. Do, don't encourage her. Encourage me, and I'll keep saying <laughs> dumb stuff.
2: But no, that the, the 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 moment, the laughter there. That's that's the visible moment of his breakage.
3: But I think there's there's there are little ways you show yeah. it
2: before that. But, like, the true, the true, if the audience hasn't gotten it by now moment... He's
1: still in his faculties enough to do lots of stuff, such as trick his brother and his son into going off to get a... Well, he fucking
2: Willy Wonka's that shit, like...
1: Excuse me? How is that a Willy Wonka moment? You fucking oompa-loompa-doopity-doos them and they run (laughs) off and get the fucking axe! I just don't understand the correlation here. Like, I understand that you're saying silly word.
2: He tricked all the fucking... He tricked the idiots to go do it. Like, just like Willy Wonka trapped those children in his fucking factory so we could eat them.
1: That's not what the what book's about. What book did you read?
2: Willy Wonka's a fucking... What movie did, did you watch? Willy Wonka's a fucking cannibal. I, I dare you to fucking prove otherwise.
1: I cannot disprove it just like you can't disprove to me that the reason that Scout in To Kill a Mockingbird dressed up as a ham... Is because Atticus Fitch killed her mother, and she saw the dismembered body.
2: So she dressed up like a ham.
1: Like, it, everybody thought it was a ham. I, it was know, really just a severed leg. You know, I can't... You
3: can't disprove I can't it.
2: disprove that, and you can't disprove that Willy Wonka was a cannibal.
3: But... I'd say we've taken a weird turn, but we are talking about Titus, so... He Willy wonka that <laughs> shit. No, he
1: here! Look over
2: here! <laughs> oh, no, so you're saying he, he three them. Yeah.
1: You
3: too! Look at here. Look at here. You too! <laughs> but what I think is really interesting <laughs> is that you can play the moment with Titus killing Muteus. I'm just going. Yeah, yeah go for it. You, you uh, go. Yeah.
2: We'll, we will derail this train whenever we feel like it. I
3: know. Um, um, but even I when think, we didn't want to. I think that you can make two very different choices in how you direct the killing of Medius to either support when the breakage happens for Titus, because there's two, for me at least there's two ways that you can do it. You can have Titus fully aware and fully conscious of this is what the upper wants. My son is in the way. This is regrettable, but he has to die. And it's still that like general mentality of when soldiers disobey, this is what happens. Or you can play the moment as just, like, a loss of temper and kind of a rage thing, and you're in my way, so I'm going to stab you, and not until after I've done it do I realize what I've done.
1: Now, don't forget, in the same scene, he has killed someone else's son.
2: Well, he didn't.
1: He chose who was going to Well, as call, much as I mean, Aaron killed...
2: Well, no, I, I, I don't even know that it was necessarily a Larbus was chosen by Titus. as Well, Titus as... is
1: the one who gives the yeah. nice little, like, Tut-tut, worry not, Mom. This is for our gods and our religion. It must happen. So he, he has sent someone else off to die. True. So, inside the same scene, we see two scenes of brutality against two different sons. One is his, one is not. But... There has been a play up of both being children of people who are standing right there. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I like both directions, but you have to commit wholeheartedly. Yeah. So he, he very dispassionately talks about the death of Tamora's oldest son, but then if you then have him like in the heat of the moment this man is in my way i'm in my my mindset from the wars my stab and then i realize what i've done is it is it that his if he's giving the order for something to happen he can displace it but when it's in his hand it's different how far did like? There's a lot of choices. No, he, there, was, he really was a soldier
2: before he was a general, and so killing people on the field of battle would not be something that would be. No,
1: no, I'm not saying it's new to him, but there's a disassociation there between your people and my people. Well, there's always there's realize, always a, there's have, always another quality. To so the there's enemy. a commitment that needs to be made. The enemy,
2: the enemy is always other. They still train that in in the military.
1: So as. as I, I think that both. not other. No, exactly. Right. I think that it's just a very interesting choice between the two. Mm-hmm. And I'm
3: not sure which one I like best. Yeah. But I. For me, I'm more interested in the heat of the moment killing um, because I think that gives you more depth to play with. Is this. In terms of Titus's mental capacity through the rest of what happens.
1: This play is. It starts out talking about twenty-one children dying. The entirety of the play, the people who are dying, the people who these atrocities are happening to, are the children. Are all the children? Now, yes, everybody dies. The whole, the whole.
2: Everybody but Lucius and Marcus. Everybody,
1: everybody in Rome is dead. But um, what well, It's you, all about the. Atrocities, well, and the I, atrocities. I think there's
2: another way. There's another way to look at it as well. Uh, and it's a thing that I thought about playing with when I directed it. Um, you know it's the idea of the Furies everything started to go to hell for uh, Titus and Titus's family after he killed his own son and if anybody knows the Furies murdering someone in your family will cause the Furies to come down upon you
1: you get a blood debt.
2: And so there's another way to play it, and that is a a supernatural outside influence on the happenings of what's going on, because Titus did the ultimate, you know, sin, and committed, you know...
3: That's not as interesting to me, though, honestly. No, it's
2: not. And that's ultimately why I decided, I was like, you know, you can play it that way, and I think you have to do a lot more to the text... Well, to do it and make it interesting.
1: Whenever you bring in a supernatural body that's forcing people to do something or they're resting back on it, it takes away any agency.
2: Well, I know, and that's what I'm saying. You have to do yeah. you have to do a lot more to the script to make it continue to be interesting if you go that route.
3: Yeah. Because then it absolves Titus of Everything and it's a thing that Shakespeare that didn't
2: write in, but it's a thing that would have been in those Roman plays and Greek plays. Right, no, absolutely. Well, it's, it's, absolutely.
1: I mean, for instance, Oedipus. Mm-hmm. Oedipus is full of furies. Yeah, They're and so it, it would
2: have been in his source material.
1: Oh, same with Eurydice and... Yeah. 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 Uh, no, absolutely.
2: And so... What's it, the one with
1: Iphigenia?
2: Iphigenia. Iphigenia. In her, no, and her. no, the
1: Roman play. Oh. Because that is the backstory. Uh, Agamemnon. Agamemnon.
2: Oh. Agamemnon, yes.
1: Yeah, that's the backstory of didn't.
2: Yeah. But, so all of his source material would have had that. Yeah. And so, whether or not he intended it to be there, he drew upon that supernatural, you know.
1: Well, an illusionary writing is, it's bread and butter.
2: Yeah. English teachers love it. They love to tell you that stuff's... Meant by authors that was never meant by authors. You don't know what
1: was meant by the author.
2: I know that when I've written stuff and I had a I wrote a short story that was read in my AP English class and my English teacher wouldn't stop until I told them some bullshit that it was meaning because it didn't mean anything. The sky was fucking blue. Not everything that was ever written has an alternative meaning.
1: But often illusionary meanings can be added can be They're added by people that are not the author. Right, because there's a shared cultural experience going on here. I know, but
2: I, uh, you know, the Even came, if
1: it's unintentional, yeah, the but but meaning still if, you know, be there.
2: I, I, that's why I disagree wholeheartedly also, with...
1: you put your art out there, I interpret it the way I want to interpret well, it.
2: Well, that's fine, but I disagree with there being a mass interpretation that, you know, of a singular interpretation. Yeah, a singular interpretation of, you know, literature that was not intended. Oh, I
1: don't think there's ever a singular interpretation of any piece. Oh, of
2: there literature. is. There's lots of them. There's lots of singular like Lord of the Fra- Lord of the fucking Flies, that garbage piece of shit book about how what's his face in the woods is a fucking Jesus.
1: I but see that is not a singular one. It's one of many.
2: No, like, every, everybody's like, yeah, my high school English teacher made me believe that this guy was Jesus. See,
1: now I've read Lord of the Flies during critical thinking classes, critical theory classes, in which we read it through, like, Marxist lenses and so that book structural garbage, analysis so. and things like that. You don't like many things. I love a lot of
2: things, and that book is garbage. It ranks right up there with the fucking great cat's The
1: problem is that I don't really like Lord of the Flies either. But she just likes to argue. I do. But I do love Great Gatsby a lot. That book
2: is terrible.
0: I haven't read either of those because an English teacher didn't make
1: me. An English teacher didn't make me read Great Gatsby or Lord of the Flies. I did it to myself. That's on you. I, in high school, thought that to be cool in college, I would need to um, have read most of the Western canon. That. Turned out to not be true. No, all you gotta oh.
2: do Was fucking smoke some pot <laughs>
1: Drink some brewskis I caught on <laughs> Most of but, us But I've read a lot of Kate Chopin For no fucking reason <laughs> <laughs> like I, I had to
0: read uh, Ethan Frome and my Antonia so. I'm really like glad Antonia. I'm really glad I've never I read not. Ethan Frome
2: It sounds like something terrible like Or a book about a guy that Builds furniture it's, and eats cheese
0: it's, it's 150 pages of people being sad In New England That's all you need to know
1: It's not as bad as Silas Mariner Ooh. But it's pretty bad Alright. There's just a reason... He, at least
2: you named something I have a reference to. Ethan Frome always sounded like some cheese-eating fucking... I don't know. It's, maybe it's Ethan, what, Allen Ethan Allen Ethan makes Warren, me think of Ethan that Brown? furniture company. Ah. And Frome makes me think of Fromage. So maybe that's it's why. A, maybe.
1: He made a chair sat at it, and ate some cheese. But yeah.
2: But it, he wouldn't have been sad then. He said yeah, people it's being sad. Be sad and I'm sorry, yeah. I've never met okay. anyone that's sad they're eating cheese. Edith mm-hmm. Wharton
1: only writes sad fucking books, and the only thing she does with those sad books is reinforce singular interpretations of flowers. Oh. That's what I remember from. Oh. That. So somebody Ugh. made me. Right.
3: So anyway, me let's three. move. Let's Agent. move on to the okay. next. directing Lavinia. So this one falls in with our perpetual pin of agency of women. We've right. got two women in this show. We've got Tamara, and we've got Lavinia.
1: So I would almost say we have one with. Uh, a lot of agency, but no heart. And a, and a lot of heart, and no agency. Like
2: uh, Lavinia, Lavinia has zero agency before she's raped.
3: There's zero agency after she's raped. No. I think it depends on how you direct her.
2: I disagree. I disagree completely. Lavinia is a much stronger character when she can no longer speak than she was before. She's a tragic, heartbreaking figure after she is mutilated. That she is a terrible, flighty, horrible person beforehand. It still ends in tragedy for her, but she does at least after everything that happens to her, at least for the brief moments she has left, has agency in that time.
1: She is a plot push. I disagree. I
2: want she, her she's, to be more. She's the soul of the you, show.
3: You can make her more. I and that's, we, why, that's why I wrote down specifically directing Lavinia. Because I think if you, like Ryan was saying, if you make her the heart of the show after her tragedy happens, and you give her a fierceness, and you give her that Andronicus thirst uh, for vengeance... Rightful thirst for vengeance. She has to
1: lean into that knife, then. In the end,
3: oh, she
2: does. In my in my opinion,
1: she's got to lean into that. It has to be
2: no, and and uh, and part of, part and, of everybody it's, going down. And I and I will say this is the best acting that I've ever seen Megan Kaster do. Was when I directed her as Lavinia. It was the best acting that I've ever seen her do, and she was fantastic. I I don't think I have seen her since then. Get to where she did. When she couldn't speak, because she had to put so much effort into mm-hmm. acting, in, without voice, and that's hard. That's hard for an actor. Yes, I think it is. It's, hard. it's incredibly, it's incredibly difficult for us to not use our voice. Listen to us. We're sitting around a fucking table talking.
3: Well, we never shut the fuck up. Well, exactly.
2: But we're also actors.
1: Yeah,
3: I'm but, not an actor. But I think that yes, you are. You're here,
2: acting like you give a shit.
3: (laughs) Am I? (laughs) But I think that the way that you direct her becomes incredibly important in the aftermath of the scene. Because the easiest, like, least effort way to direct Lavinia is completely a victim.
2: She's a prop. She's She's a a victim. She's a
3: prop. She's a victim. Marcus is like, here, let me show you how to write without your hands. Here, let me have you catch the blood. Here, let me kill you to protect you from your shame. That's like the most straightforward... That's checking out. That's, that's, yeah. not, that's, not. that's not putting anything into it. It's just like, well, here we are. But if you give her this like, you know, by all means, give her a scene to be broken because she is. What happens to her is absolutely horrifying. But to balance that or at least come close to balancing it, I feel like you have to give her the opportunity to look for Every chance she has to tell people what happened to her. And as soon as that opportunity is in front of her to name the, the bravery to name her, uh, her assailants. her assailants. And then I, I think that scene where they're brought apart and she's brought in front of them and she stands in front of them. If you direct her so that she is looking them straight dead in the eye. And letting them know, I'm doing this to you right now. And it's not Titus saying, here, catch the blood, my traumatized daughter. It's Lavinia going, no, no, no. I am going to be here to watch you. Let, me, let me look die. you in the
2: eyes. Hey, Dad, you slip their throats now. I'm ready.
1: I don't have any hands to do it or I would. Yeah. Yeah. If
2: I could fucking cut their throats, I would.
1: So I fear that she often falls into the same trap that Ophelia falls into. Mm. Of being happy and bubbly and naive and then cursed and deranged. Like, and I think that there's that's. Just a, there's just. Happy, I think naive, that's the sweet, easy innocence. way out. Then there's for, break, and now yeah. she's damaged. She's
2: a of the Andronica, though. Yeah.
3: I think that that's the easy way out for Love directors. The easy way out for directors who don't put a lot of thought into what they're doing. Yeah. I think if you just direct Shakespeare on the surface level, that's what Lavinia becomes, but I don't think it's what she should no, be. No,
2: she is... Well,
3: she's, at the same time, neither should Ophelia. If well, she's, not exactly. Yeah. She's, I
2: she's, she and she's not, she's not the... I don't, I don't consider uh, Lavinia the heart of the play. She's the soul of the play. Marcus is the heart.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Because Marcus is the the, the all touchy, feely, good part
1: He's the most stable character.
2: He is, and he's, he's the he's the most, like, human empathy that you get in the entire play. Yeah. He's if, the only human empathy you get in the entire play.
3: But I think the tragedy of Titus can come from, the tragedy of Titus himself, like the figure, is that when he looks at his daughter after what happens, he only sees the brokenness. And he doesn't see the fierceness, and that's why he kills her. Yeah. He doesn't give her a chance to be more than what happened to her.
1: No, I would like to see the fierceness being leaning in. Like, this is part of phase one, phase two, phase three of our revenge. You are going to die in this part, daughter. Are you okay with that? What do I got? Be there, be active. If she's active in her death, does it change her fierceness?
3: I, I don't know. And I don't... I don't know that I would make her active in her death. Because I think that to have her be a victim of her father in that deaf. moment puts more of the onus on him and shows more of his breaking that he can't well, see and she,
2: she it, gains nothing she gains nothing by dying there
3: yeah Titus I think, also
2: gains nothing by killing her there but I think there, Titus it was unnecessary
3: and I think Titus is projecting onto her. Yes. I think he's looking at his daughter and seeing his own brokenness. He's seeing his failures. And he doesn't see a way out for himself, and so he can't see a way out for her. So he thinks it's a mercy. It's a murder-suicide pact. I don't feel that it's unnecessary.
1: There, Saturnus he continues the play to deal death in the same way Aaron deals death with, you know. Your, your sons start to be executed now. He doesn't kill them himself, but he just blithely sentences people to death. He blithely, you know, orders Titus to kill people. And that's fine. But Titus turns to him and says, what would you do in my position? Okay. And he says, well, I would kill her. Just as he has always just off the cuff said he would kill someone so Titus in front of him shows him just the complete viciousness and the horror of that act right there at the table in front of everybody I don't think that it's pointless I think that there is a definite reason for her death there at that scene and I think that is but it's
3: not a reason that serves her no, it doesn't serve her in any way. It's a reason. Why do Titus. daughters serve themselves? And and it, I think the the peak tragedy of that moment for me is that Titus is making that decision for his daughter. You can't build any sort of a life for yourself. You will always be a victim. The kindest thing to do is to kill you. The best thing I can give, do is
2: fucking kill you, right which here. doesn't
3: give her a chance to heal from her trauma and. Either that or she becomes a prop to show yeah, the Emperor
1: what he's doing. Like it's one or the other. You're right. You're yeah. right. So it's either he doesn't see her value any longer or he never saw her value
3: as an actual human. And she's just another peg yeah. on the board. And I think that's the great tragedy of Lavinia. And I...
1: There's a lot of... I want to watch
3: Marcus in that scene.
1: It's a problem she's a
3: problematic character to direct
1: Mm -hmm. because you have to just like with Titus you have to make very strong decisions and you have to not
3: waver and she has to die like you can't change that she gets killed but I think if you lean into the tragic senselessness of that moment that's where you make really can make really effective commentary on how we treat rape victims and how so often we make that their defining moment instead of the recovery, the recovery, right? She doesn't so, get so, a chance a to build that recovery because be. yeah, this decision is made for her. What happens to you is all you will ever be. You can't be anything more than a victim of this moment. And therefore I am man and your father I'm going to make that choice for you. Yeah,
2: Yeah. you you don't get to move on.
1: I think I I will never move on from your brokenness, so you can't ever move on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or perceive brokenness, not actually.
2: And so then he.
1: This play is really depressing. Yes. (laughs) The next one we pick, I swear to God, if it's not a comedy,
2: you guys, you guys, we needed to pick it. We needed to pick one of the ones we've been holding off on, and we went with this one this time. Or a
1: silly tragedy. Learn a
2: lot of those
3: mm. well let's just not do measure for measure next because that one's just as depressing um okay so um, but
2: whoa. no uh, this yeah this play I there's always been something about it though
3: it's haunting
2: yeah depressing or not that draws me to it
1: well my favorite Shakespeare play I think is also very depressing King Lear is my favorite well this
2: I've never I've never called Titus my favorite Um, Mackers has always been my favorite. But Titus has always been up there with it for me since I, well, since the first time I read it. Since the first time I experienced it. I experienced Mackers earlier in my life. Hmm. And Mackers is more fully realized than Titus. Okay. Um, you know, as far as quality of writing and everything else. You know, going into it, um, Speaking but,
1: of quality of writing. Do we have anything for the language bucket?
2: Well, he did. Shakespeare did invent the "your mom" joke.
1: Yes, yeah, true. In okay.
2: this play,
1: villain, I done thy mother.
2: You have undone my mother, villain. I have done thy mother. So, I mean, so we got that, which is we, nice. We got that going for us, which is nice. Is the, it? The, hey, the, now the invention of, your, of the "your mom" joke. I mean, that has lingered. This is, you know, here we are, five hundred years later, and you know, still kicking.
1: Oh my god!
2: Well, not quite five hundred years, but you know, four hundred and. Dude, know, I
1: don't even know what today is. Good luck figuring. out. Four hundred
2: and like forty years later, or whatever. Yeah, and and we're still we still got your mom jokes.
1: Unfortunately, they're rarely fun. We're coming
2: up. We're coming up on like 450, 450 years of William Shakespeare. I'm just talking about like since plays were written, not even just you know mm-hmm. folios and whatnot. Yeah, not just not just since he was alive.
1: All right, what else do we have?
2: So yeah, language. Your mom jokes
1: done. Agency of
2: women, um, which we talked about we talked there, about,
3: in terms of Lavinia, at least
2: in terms of Lavinia, yeah. Uh, Tamara has a lot of agency. She does. And she does a lot with her agency. She does not make the best choices with her agency.
1: Agency has nothing to do with making good choices. It just That's makes true. good choices.
2: She yes. has the ability to make those choices, though. She is fully capable of making terrible fucking decisions and ruining her life. And she is great at that. And she does it repeatedly.
3: Um, if we are talking about adaptations... I'm going to throw a spoiler warning out in, in here for Game of Thrones. Mm. There's a great homage, I feel, paid to Titus. There is. And a plot line from Game of Thrones. Spoiler where, warning. We're talking about the phrase. Yeah, where a, a man is punished by having his sons baked into pies and then fed to him. That is a reoccurring theme that
1: happens a lot. Yeah, I was the saying. baking something either cannibalism of baking something. George, into a George pie. Martin's not
2: the first person to borrow that. No, yeah. no,
0: no, 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 South. no. South Park borrowed that first.
1: South Park borrows everything hilariously sometimes. Yep, sometimes. I think it's funny most of the time, but um, even things like in The Help, where she bakes feces into a pie, like it's the same. Yeah, abhorrence of what you were eating, um, but the cannibalism adds. Uh, and eating your own children.
3: Yeah, and then peeling back the pastry crust to reveal a toe is a horrifyingly grisly choice that was made for that show. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. But, but I think my legit comment when we watched that episode and that moment happened, I think I honestly said, did she just Titus Andronicus the phrase? So this show doesn't get put on a
1: lot. A lot of people haven't read it, but everybody knows what freaking happened.
2: You're baked into a pie. But I don't like gravy.
1: (laughs) But you don't like gravy.
2: Wallace and Gromit. No, Uh, it's Chicken Run. Run. It's Wallace and Gromit, though. It's the
3: creators creators of Wallace and Gromit. Is Chicken Run... No. (laughs) 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 Is Chicken Run an adaptation of Titus Titus
2: Andronicus? Give
1: me four more beers in another hour.
2: (laughs) Well, speaking of adaptations of Titus Andronicus the portion of the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged that is Titus Andronicus, the cooking show with Julia Child. Child.
1: Yes. Which, that scene is the reason there is a blow-up turkey, like a blow-up roasted turkey in my basement. Mm
2: -hmm. Actually, we had the the blow-up roasted turkey was for...
1: Was it for Titus and then just used again? I think so. Oh. I think
2: that was for the...
1: That blow-up turkey got brought out to many different shows.
2: I think the original reason we got that turkey, though, was for Titus.
1: Oh. She's writing out the names of plays. Is she writing out what's I'm left? i writing out the ones we haven't done yet. She's writing out what's left. Let's do All's Well That Ends Well, because I don't know that play well. We did As You Like It. Yeah, we did.
3: We did. We did know, like it. But let's do let's do all's well that ends well because I don't. We know. are okay. Here's the thing, though. We don't have enough comedies left to intersperse every tragedy we do. with I comedy. understand,
1: but this one needs one. Okay.
2: Well, this no.
0: I think if we're at the point where we're discussing what's next, it's probably a good time for us to should we possibly, sign off? Yeah, bring this to a close. Unless anybody has any. Final um, Titus thoughts? I
2: will say, as I hold my my beat-up Pelican Shakespeare copy of Titus Andronicus, that is literally, um, the spine has been duct-taped. Um, somewhere in here in the middle of the book, uh, the inside of the book has been duct-taped. The last page, I apparently need some clear packing tape or something because it's about to tear out of the script, um, and it looks like somebody ate part of it. Um, if you can't tell from my description of this this uh, this copy of Titus Andronicus, that I've put a lot of effort into knowing and understanding this this play. Um, that's the big thing that I will say is just because you hear, uh, it's the, it's the bloodiest play or it's, uh, it's not as good as, as whatever else. There's a lot here and I hope that you, you got some of that as we unpacked it, you know, here tonight, um, or whenever you're listening to this, obviously you're not listening to it live tonight, but, uh. That you get that there is a lot about this play that can still be uh, valuable um, and relevant today, yeah. So,
3: definitely, I think there's some really strong commentary to be made about our society by staging this show. You can talk about what happens to war veterans when they come home and try to reacclimate to civilian life you can talk about And that's that's why I
2: set this in a Vietnam time frame and like the only music I would use was music that existed um through and not even through the end of the Vietnam war i wanted the Vietnam war to still exist and be going on during the time frame so i only used music that was produced before like 1971 um not all of it was protest songs, but i used a lot of protest songs. Joel Payne helped me out uh, immensely with coming up with some of the music that was used uh, for this show. Um, but he also was Bassianus. Mm. Um, but an amazing group of, of actors. Rachel uh, Hetrick-Wyckoff at the time. Uh, Tyler now Lemons was Tyler Ward at the time uh our, our very own Chase Greenley here mm-hmm. um Beth's husband Chris in his uh his only appearance for us on stage um Darren Kerr as I have gushed lovingly about um already multiple times tonight uh some really, you know, Megan Custers was fantastic. Heather Utzler did end up being in the show um, as boy. <laughs> she played young Lucius, and like I said, and, and no, boy. no, no offense to Megan, boy. and, and the, the main reason boy. I wanted Heather because of what it would have done to Tyler, right? Because of their personal relationship, it would have more effect on Tyler than what. Megan could do to Tyler without that connection.
1: But Friends don't necessarily just try to break Friends.
2: I really wanted to break Tyler Ward though. Mm. It was an amazing experience. This was the this was the first official Face show and though we have transitioned away from um, Lionface. Lionface as it has now uh, moved into our past um, you know, the shows that we did there will always, you know, be special for us and this was the first this was the first official um and we had massive crowds for a park show we had you know like people lean like filled all the benches and leaning up against trees and sitting in camp chairs and stuff like that i don't think we've seen a crowd like that except for maybe when we did mackers
1: yeah that's mm. what
3: happens when you bake people in pies
2: That's right. You bake people in pies when they come to see shows.
3: Please don't do that.
2: I'm going to kill you and bake (laughs) you into a pie.
1: (laughs) Every once in a while, James creeps me out by looking at me and goes, You smell like pie. And then he, like, gums my arm. (laughs) So, that's kind of personal. He's a
2: baby Titus. I'm going to call him that tomorrow.
1: What up, baby Titus? You smell like pumpkin pie. Oh, my
2: I I will encourage him to I
1: watched way too many zombie shows when the kids were in the balance. I will encourage him
2: to walk up to you and tell you you smell like pie and then You don't have you, you don't
1: have to really encourage him. He does it at least once a day. I That's have excellent.
3: I have a uh, I love that boy. an old friend from high school and we mostly just are Facebook adjacent these days. Um her oldest son's name is Titus and it's Biblical for her. That's why they chose the name. It's after the biblical prophet Titus. It's not what I think of every time she talks about him.
0: Nope.
3: Her poor grandkids.
2: <laughs> I can only think of I can only think of Shakespeare when I think of the name Titus. Mm-hmm. I hear something else named Titus or anything like that, and
1: one of my favorite TV characters is Titus and Madon. Titus and Dromedon. No. Nope. Kimmy Schmidt. Nope. The All Unbreakable Kimmy right. Schmidt. Nope. I know
3: who you're talking. I'm about. aware of
2: it, but I've heard that. I've like I've heard of that.
1: Oh, Ryan, you will love this show.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I'll get lying behind everything else.
1: No, I'm just gonna force it by slowly putting clips on your Facebook page, as I do whenever I feel like forcing things on people.
3: But I think we have th- said I, I, all yeah, there is to say. I, I think yeah. so,
2: too. I mean, yeah. I'll always have things to say about this play, but I think we're done for the when
1: day. I'm sleepy. <laughs> yeah. No,
2: I, I'll always have things to talk about if anybody ever wants yeah. to talk to me about this play. Um, but I think we've kind of hit the end of the road here.
1: If you want to talk to Ryan about the play, start it early.
2: Yeah, start it early, um, but you can, you can at me on Twitter... And talk about this play. Alright. It's uh-huh. at Viking Diesel.
1: Uh, I am Beth Roars.
2: I'm Ryan Hathel. Cassie Greenley.
1: Chase Greenley. I think this is the second time we've done that. No,
0: we haven't gone around. I mean I mean second time
1: tonight. But oh, no, no, we're no yeah, yeah. I uh, need to go to bed. Say goodnight, John Boy.
3: Good night, John Boy.
2: <laughs> <night, John> <laughs> what well, Paul? Oh dish.
3: But who's Ronicus?
1: Who is Ronicus?
3: Yeah. God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>